Well, good morning and welcome. I'm Deb Ruggiero, host and creator of the award-winning show, Amazing Women, on this radio station, and now available as a podcast on all your favorite streaming services from Google, Amazon, Spotify. One of the biggest issues these days is affordable housing, not only in this state, but around the country. And it's really percolated to the top of our consciousness over the past several years, certainly as we all age, hopefully, in place with a community of friends, partners, and neighbors. My guests are a part of a first-of-a-kind innovative affordable housing plan for an aging LGBTQ community. The East Point Complex in East Providence will bring 390 units. 39 of those will be affordable housing for an aging LGBTQ community or allies. Uh, Barbara Sokoloff joins us, and she's no stranger to this work. She's a consultant who specializes in community development and affordable housing. She was the director of city planning in Warwick before starting her own company in 1986. Barbara Sokoloff Associates has raised over $300 million in financing for over 1,500 affordable housing units in Rhode Island. And also joining us is Dr. Jody Glass. Decades as a community builder. I've known Jody for a long time. She's a feminist and advocate for women and the LGBT community. Dr. Glass came to Rhode Island in 1978, where she worked as an audiologist at Meeting Street. She was instrumental in expanding hate crime laws in Rhode Island to now include sexual orientation, gender, and disability. Uh, she founded the Rhode Island Clothesline Project and Take Back the Night promoting awareness and speaking out against domestic violence. And in 2018, uh, Jody joined the board at Aldersbridge in East Providence. It's a nonprofit that runs healthcare centers for older adults. And now they're embarking on a bold and innovative plan to build affordable housing for aging members of the LGBTQ community. Wow, two amazing women in one show. I am so honored. Thank you both for uh, for joining me today. Thank you. Jody. as I mentioned, you and I have known each other for a very long time, and you've had a vision decades ago for housing older LGBTQ people who may be discriminated against in nursing homes and assisted living. Tell us about your vision and the nexus with you and Barbara. Sure. Um, well, thank you for your lovely introduction. Uh, and what you said is exactly the case. The statistics are that 76% of older LGBTQ Americans are concerned about having adequate family or social supports at, to rely on as they age. And this is the kind of statistic that has always bothered me, always. Um, so I guess when I was younger, I started thinking about what's going to happen when my community gets older. Uh, who's going to take care of them? Lateral uh, support systems are going to die out. Um, and so what I started to do in our community is look for the experts. And um, I searched around and I didn't have to search too far. And I found Barbara Sokoloff and got her involved in my very, very grassroots effort to build community support for this kind of a project, which would be to create um, the first in Rhode Island uh, independent living building for LGBTQ plus community for the state, which has been happening all over the country and Rhode Island would be coming in. Hmm. So uh, a project 
of this magnitude certainly needs a, a groundswell of support from so many people. Um, Barbara, how did this part project ever come to be? You know, take us through like the genesis of this. Well, I think that it's very interesting. It, it's certainly over, I think about 10 years ago when Jody first um, contacted us and we began um, doing some focus groups and reaching out. And although we have the tools to develop housing, we needed to know that there was the demand. And at that point, um, based on the surveys that we did, we were not convinced that there was the demand. Mm -hmm. But a lot has happened in the last 10 years. And during that time, you know, there's awareness and re respect and recognition of the LGBT community has really changed. Mm -hmm. So that when this then came up probably two years ago already, um, and we began talking and thinking about, all right, how can we do an LGBTQ community? Um, we got a very good response from potential funders, people that would provide pre-development funds, as well as, um, you know, long-term approvals mm -hmm. and they encouraged us to you know support um and and to go forward with this project um the details of it it's a very competitive process when you're doing 40 units we're um, going forward with what's called the low-income housing tax credit and it's an extremely competitive process both for um, the credits themselves and the ancillary funding that makes a project work. And a project like this, if it were a $10 million project, we would probably get about 4 million from the credits and we would have to raise 6 million from other sources. Hopefully the timing is good right now. And um, there, with the opera money and other funding that's available, um, this will be successful. We're submitting applications in January mm -hmm. and we look forward to an approval, you know, in the spring. So it was a little luck, a little help from the city of East Providence and some good timing. Sounds like it could be, you know, a perfect opportunity. It's really kind of an amazing project that the East Providence Waterfront Commission approved. Isn't it like 27 acres? 390 units, and as you mentioned, 39 for income restricted, including um, LGBTQ plus community and allies. Uh, but East Providence made a pretty bold move uh, demanding that affordable housing be part of this complex. Uh, is that unusual in communities? Well, I think before Jody speaks, I think it's 390 units. 390, yeah, okay. Sorry. And so Jody, do you want to comment? I was going to comment on the board at um, Aldersbridge first uh, because we had to get their support before anything else. And okay. um, I wanted to say that uh, the support from Aldersbridge board was unbelievable and, and immediate. So when, <clears throat> excuse me, when, when we broached this idea, we had to get their uh, immediate, you know, their unconditional commitment in order to go to the city and, and then say, this was our concern. This was our idea. Mm -hmm. What do you think about this? And the board was naturally just right there. And 
as far as the city is concerned, the city was most concerned about this as, as an issue itself, um, not only because of the low income uh, issues, but also this was the first year that East Providence actually had an LG, a pride parade uh, and had Aldersbridge at the front of that parade. But mm. Barbara might wanna talk about this, the city works itself. Um, well, the, it's very interesting, you know, that East Providence was requiring that 10% of the approval, you know, for this development needed to be affordable. And so the city was required to have, you know, in the approval for the developer, which is Noble Development, um, it's the Richard Bakari company. And they required, um, you know, that 39 units be affordable but that they were so welcoming mm -hmm. to the LGBTQ concept was really um, a bit overwhelming. I was really quite surprised, quite frankly, um, at how you know, receptive they were to this development. And Jody talks about Aldersbridge and Aldersbridge um, is just marvelous. Mm -hmm. You know, their board, they were just totally committed to this. Another aspect of this is that under the financing for these programs, um, the funders, the way that the financing works is that we need an investor in the tax credits. And the investors require experience in low-income housing tax credits, which is you know, the um, really the source of the funding here. And so uh, Aldersbridge with Jody, you know, began to look at potential partners and to interview partners, you know, that would um, bring strength to the project. And Jody, do you want to, you know- When you, when you mentioned they bring strength to the project, are you talking they will bring money investment to the project? No, they bring experience. Okay. And so so they, before we move on to that, I have a question just because we talk a lot about affordable housing. What is the income needed? What is affordable to qualify? Um, it's 40 to 60% of the area median income. And so that's probably, you know, I, I don't want to take a guess. I don't have those numbers, you know, right here. But probably for a single person, you know, it could be in the, I, I would have to get back to you on that. I don't want to give. Okay. But when you say 40, 60%, is it the median income of Rhode Island or East Providence? Of, of East Providence. Oh, and okay. Really the, um, the general area, the stand, the metropolitan area. And so it's most of the state of Rhode Island. Newport has a somewhat higher Mm -hmm. higher number. Um, so that that's really an important piece. And there may be some units that are targeted to people at lower income. Mm -hmm. you know, there could be some units for people at 30% of area median income. So walk us through the timeline for the this complex and you know how you were able to bring one neighborhood into the fold and what that means. Jody, do you want to take that? So one neighborhood is really is that that partner that Barbara's referring to, and they're really crucial in this. Mm -hmm. And they, um, you know, just to show their support, they walked with us in the Pride March. Um, you know, the, our partners are very much 
part of this as a movement, not not only a building, but in the commitment to um, make a difference so that, you know, as we empower people to live in this building and if they have to move on to um, assisted living or uh, other types of living, they will know that they are worthy of the respect and care that they deserve, mm-hmm. not that they have to go back into the closet. Well, and clearly Aldersbridge in East Providence is such a welcoming community. You know, inclusion is not tolerance, it's unquestioned acceptance, right? Right, and our three other facilities as well. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're just joining us, thank you for listening. I'm Deborah Giro, host and creator of Amazing Women. The podcast is available on all your favorite streaming services. Karen Kay is at the controls. And my guests are Barbara Sokoloff, a consultant who specializes in community development and affordable housing, and Dr. Jody Glass, a community activist who's on the board at Aldersbridge in East Providence. It's a health center for older adults, but with a vision to build income and age-restricted apartments to serve aging members of the LGBTQ plus community and allies. Uh, Jody, let's talk a little bit about is there need and why is there a need for LGBTQ friendly senior housing in communities? Well, there there is definitely a need. And as Barbara uh, said before, we, we couldn't find that need uh, about 10 years ago. And I think that was our own restricted uh, ability to do the outreach. And as we grew with Aldersbridge and Sokoloff Associates, we're able to reach out to people um, and we now have that waiting list where people are, are calling us to get on a list to get an apartment. There's definitely a need. There's definitely a fear for people going into congregate living. So, so there's for sure that there's a need for this. Every time that we bring it up, people are excited, they're motivated, and they're encouraged that there is a place that is going to be accepting. And safe. And safe, exactly, mm-hmm. and welcoming. So you're on the board of Aldersbridge in East Providence, Jody. You also provide training programs there, right? Um, right. What kind of programs do you cover and what have been your experiences? Well, um, also through the Rhode Island uh, Assisted Living Association, there we provide them to all the assisted living associations throughout the state. Um, and, and what we do is talk about the issues that we show a film called Gen Silent, which is about the silent generation of aging LGBTQ folks that Sage has been good enough to Mm -hmm. share with all of us. And um, because of that good work, we've been able to share all the the, uh, issues that go on for aging LGBTQ folks. Um, And the response has been phenomenal, which I didn't know that, or I didn't realize that, or, oh, I have a relative who's going through this. And I didn't know that there's somebody I can talk to. So getting out there and sharing this information has been crucial. And I'm glad to hear that. Do you ever experience any resistance to your training? And does that resistance, you know, come from staff, residents, or a little bit of both? A little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think it's just a lack of information or maybe an old fear. I mean, we are talking to people who, um, experienced a time when it was illegal to be LGBTQ plus. Mm -hmm. So um, we're talking about culture change. 
And that's very hard for people, for some people. But we're also talking about people who are experiencing their grandchildren and their children who are very out and very safe and very open and mm -hmm. having their own children. So it's it's quite an interesting uh, yeah. time to be doing this. Like two de generations because very much. The, the young gay couples today are having children, adopting children, and yet many of the aging LGBTQ members that you're talking about never did that and probably spent, as you said, a lot of time in the closet. So this, yes. is, uh, this is kind of an interesting place for them. And of course, everybody wants to, you know, age in place safely. Right. right. And we will make this that place. Mm -hmm. So let's talk more about this East Point complex and East Providence. As you mentioned, Barbara, 390 units with 10% affordable housing. So that's 39 um, units that are going to be income restricted for aging LGBTQ members and allies, correct? Um, yes. Is this the first of its kind in Rhode Island? Yes, I think that it is. And I should just um, let you know that the income limit for a single person is about $36,000. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought it was somewhere between 35 and yep. 40,000, um, but that's good. You know, I think so somebody making around $36,000 as a single person would be eligible. Um, you know, you're going to get a lot of applications for 39 units. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh -huh. And so, yes, in, in answer to your question, um, you know, this is unique in Rhode Island, but nevertheless, it has to compete with every other project and, in fact, cannot be limited to LGBTQ people. Right. We show a preference in the marketing um, of the housing, but it cannot be limited, you know, because it is basically a federal fund. Well, it's federal housing. Coming yeah. in, yes. Exactly. Another question that you had asked was, um, whether or not the partner coming in brought money to the project. Um, they do not bring money. They bring the experience and the expertise. So the investors that bring the money in want to make certain that it's going to be operated in conformance with the federal regulations. Mm -hmm. If it isn't, they lose their credits. And if they lose their credits, they you know the money is then owed back to them. So you know it, it right. very strictly regulated from a management point of view in terms of making certain that the people qualify. Occasionally, mm -hmm. we'll have a project where they do an audit and they find out that they've let people in that didn't qualify. That hasn't been a problem here in Rhode Island, but it has happened in places. Mm, so oversight is critical. So as you line up the funding, Barbara, uh, the legislature approved $250 million in the budget for affordable housing project. Would this project be able to qualify for that? Yes. And we will be looking for the opera funds and all of the different um, types of funding that are now coming through Rhode Island housing um, to be allocated for this project. I will say that we applied for this last March. And the funding was so limited that, you know, this project didn't get funded. Um, and so we're hoping that with the additional funds available now, that it will get funded. What do you think your biggest challenge is to getting shovels in the ground for this project? I'm getting the funding approved mm -hmm. and um, 
then that that's really the major challenge mm. is because it's very competitive. Um, in the last round, they had, I think, um, $47 million in that range, and they had well over 50 projects applying. Well, when projects need six or $8 million in subsidy, you can see that the money doesn't go very far. Mm. And so this year, there is a lot more money, and there's a lot of support for this project, but it's all on a point basis. And so in those points, have to do with maybe the walkability, close to marketing, you know, all kinds, some things that we just don't have the points for, right? We can't get them. And so, it, you know, it's, it's really very challenging. It's, it's interesting because everyone talks about affordable housing, you know, we need affordable housing, we have a homeless crisis, but yet the next thing is we need affordable housing, but not in my community, right? Right. So it's sort of a disconnect. There's an interesting article I, I just finished reading um, by Jer uh, Jerusalem Demsis over at the Atlantic. I'm not sure if you read it, but it talks a lot about, you know, the housing crisis is it, basically it's a supply shortage, right? But yet in a study, 40% of Americans uh, don't see it. They call it shortage denialism, right? They don't mm -hmm. see that there's a shortage and 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 they feel, they're fearful about, increasing more housing because it's called supply skepticism because they think if more housing is built the rents and things will go up which is the opposite of what the economic model should show right the more housing you build uh the more people have homes and 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 the less homelessness and prices should go down sure are you familiar with that i haven't read that article i um i'll have to take a look I'll at email it. it to you yeah um, but NIMBYism is not new mm. and it's still there. And so you really have to thank um, the city of East Providence for having this 10% requirement in this development. Mm -hmm. uh, but nevertheless, um, whether it's East Providence or any other community, you know, where you go to build affordable housing that might be in a neighborhood or adjacent to a neighborhood, you know, people are raised concerns. Mm -hmm. And we face this all the time. Um, so that, you know, that while we all talk that there's a need for affordable housing, if it is land that is not already um, approved for zoning, um, it's challenging. There's mm -hmm. no question about it. And our clients spend a lot of money, um, you know, trying to get zoning approvals. Could this model be used as a template for other cities and towns throughout the state? This isn't unusual, the 10%. The 10%, you know, in terms of approving multifamily projects is not unusual at all. I don't think I was talking more about the 10%, but just about the way you were able to get the city of East Providence to be such a great partner to actually say, we are going to include LGBTQ plus and allies and make a commitment to do affordable 10% housing in a complex. Yeah, not only that, but they've, um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Barbara. Um, they've uh, created a, a, a subcommittee to their um town meetings where they have an LGBTQ 
committee for outreach as part of their town. Mm -hmm. So they are committed to this as an issue. This means something to them. I think that's important. I think that's what Barbara was saying that goes to the city of East Providence for being, you know, so innovative and, you know, having this kind of awareness and, and welcoming in, you know, perspective. Barbara, you've done so many projects. Where does this one rank for you personally and professionally? Oh, I, it, it's just critical because it's meeting a need for people that have perhaps been discriminated against mm-hmm. and could not find housing or couldn't find housing that had a comfort level for them. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's it's very important. I think family housing is also critically important. Right. You know, we have a real challenge and getting family housing approved in neighborhoods. Right. And Jody, for you, it's like a dream come true, right? Decades of work. It is. And I think the world of Barbara's work. So it just, it really would just come full circle. Well, I think the work of both of you, you're very amazing. Two amazing women doing amazing work in the world. Jody Glass and uh, Barbara Sokoloff. Thank you for taking the time to share this. Appreciate it. Thank you. I end um, each show with a quote, and this one is one of my all-time favorites from Margaret Mead. Never doubt that a small group of people can change the world. It's the only thing that ever has. It's so true. I'm Deborah Giro. Thank you for listening to Amazing Women. Again, this podcast is available on all your favorite streaming devices. Take care of yourself and take care of others. Stay well.